morning and welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for everyone who is coming on the live right now and certainly grateful that we're given this opportunity to be able to worship God in spirit and in truth with you all on this morning. We got a jam-packed show for you on tomorrow, on this morning. Uh, we're going to be talking about this fake crematory that was... Um, selling uh, fake ashes to family members uh, for profit, and they finally got caught. And come to find out, you got a whole bunch of families that were spreading a whole bunch of concrete rather than actually spreading the remains of their families across different places where these family members said they wanted to spread their ashes over. Uh, we're also going to be talking about handling infidelity on today and talking about how to deal with, um, with, with cheating on physical, emotional, mental levels and how to deal with that um, as, as Christians um, trying to reconcile their relationships and reconcile their marriages. Uh, we're going to answer the question, um, whether, um, you know, how, what is the view of other religions in the eyes of Christianity on today? Um, and, uh, something praiseworthy. We haven't found what the story is just yet. Uh, that's on me. Um, but by the time we get to the end of our show, I promise you all we'll have something praiseworthy to be talking with you guys about. And so, uh, just bear with me as we are getting, um, getting that story together on today. Uh, but we will begin our story, our, our show on today. Um, dealing with the book God's at War um, in, in, the chat, in the third chapter, talking about God being a jealous God. And so, again, thank you guys so much for giving me this opportunity to be able to worship with you in spirit and the truth on today. We're going to start off with a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump into chapter three of God's at War. Most gracious Heavenly Father. We come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. We thank you, God, that you thought it not robbery to give us this show to be able to spread your gospel message to as many people as will believe. Uh, Lord God, we're just grateful that we get to share your truth, get to share your love, get to share your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, your zeal, your passion. Lord God, we're, we're grateful that we get to spread your, your, your kindness, your meekness on today. Uh, Lord, we're asking that you just be all over this show and everything that we say and do on today, Lord God, let it be none of me and all of you. Lord God, we're grateful uh, that you've given us this opportunity to be able to spread your gospel truth to as many people as will listen on today. Be with every believer and with every unbeliever on today, Lord God, as we continue to share the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, the fact that he died rose again that in gate and credited his righteousness to us that upon repentance and belief we may be had we may have the opportunity and the right to enter into the kingdom of heaven and to enjoy communion with you both now and forever and all these things will give us your name praise glory and honor in jesus name amen all right so again we're going to be looking at the book gods at war on today um, I'm going to flip the camera around so that way you guys can see. Um, we are in the book Gods at War, not a fan, not, not a fan, but Gods at War by Kyle Eidelman. Um, and this book is helping us to figure out what our idols are, um, and being able to combat them so that we're able to make sure that our aim and our focus is always on Jesus. We're seeking First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, knowing that all these things shall be added to us. Um, and we're guarding our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, through the peace of God that, sur that surpasses all understanding, that we may be able to stay anchored and focused on Jesus no matter what. And so in chapter 3, 
of this book, it starts. Ta it talks about Jesus being a God being a jealous God. And for a backdrop, we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter four, uh, verse number twenty-four, um, as a backdrop for our topic today. Deuteronomy chapter four. It's after Numbers. And in this, um, Moses is letting the people know that he's going, he's not going to be able to go up with them. You know, he, you know, going to the promised land with him, with them. Uh, he, he messed up, you know, he hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock. And God was like, that, that, that anger, you know, that, that doesn't cost you the kingdom. And so he says to them in starting with verse number 20, the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace out of Egypt to be a people of his own inheritance as you are this day. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me because of you. And he swore that I should not cross the Jordan and that I should not enter the good land that the Lord, your God is giving you for an inheritance for I must die in this land. I must not go over the Jordan, but you shall go over and take possession of that good land. Take care, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord, your God, which he made with you and make a carved image, the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. When your father, when you father children and children's children have, have grown old in the land, if you act corruptly by making a carved image in the form of anything and by doing what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God, so as to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will soon utterly perish from the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. You will not live long in it, but will be utterly destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you amongst the people and you will be left in few, you'll be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve gods of wood and stone, the work of human hands that neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in tribulation and all these things come upon you in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them in the book in the book um gods at war um we're talking about the battlefield of our hearts the battlefield of our hearts and how god is looking at how we are looking at other gods to be the source of peace the source of joy, the source of contentment, the source of satisfaction, the source of belonging, the source of identity, the source of purpose. And in that space, God lets us know and God reminds us that he desires to be all of those things and so much more. To be the uppermost of our affections, the uppermost of our attentions, the uppermost of our allegiances. In the book, uh, in chapter 3, 
uh, Kyle Ottoman describes a scene out of Michael Jordan's biography where he had gone to one of his friend's houses, um, one of his basketball friend's houses back in his heyday. And he went to, he went to, he, he, the house was cold and he told his friend, man, I'm cold. Can I go get a jacket? He's like, sure, you can go get a jacket. And he went into the closet and in the closet, he saw that his friend had um, both Nike apparel and Adidas apparel. Um, no, not Adidas, Puma apparel. And because he saw the Puma apparel, it, it, it raged him so to where he took everything that had Puma on it out of that closet and threw it onto his living room floor. Every he pulled everything out of the closet and put it on the put it and put it on the living room floor. He then went in the kitchen and grabbed a knife and he carved in, into every piece of Puma on the tire that he had. And his friend was like, "What are you doing?" He said, "If you're rocking with me, you're rocking with Nike. Make sure you never put on Puma ever again, because I'm Team Nike. And if you're Team Me, then we rocking Nike clothing." The author describes it um, describes it this way saying Don't you think that Jordan's don't you think Jordan offers up uh, oh my god words offers us a pretty good picture of idol smashing he is demonstrating total commitment and really that's the kind of radical commitment God longs for from his people he doesn't want us to just make room in our closet for him. He wants the closet to himself. And when God ransoms our hearts, transfers the heart of stone, turns it into a heart of flesh, as it says in Ezekiel chapter 36, he causes us to walk in his precepts. He tells us he wants no other gods before him. He doesn't want any other God to be, to have the potential to rise above him. And so when he talks about this closet scenario, I can imagine God saying, when I get into that space, I'm clearing it out. That space belongs to me and only me. I am a jealous God and I will be, and, I'll, and, and I will not allow you to serve anyone else. If I've saved you, if I've ransomed you, if I've changed you, I will not be, I will be second to no one. Um, the way that he describes the, um, the way that he describes the heart, having, having love and passion for us is the word jealousy. Now, jealousy has a negative connotation to it that a lot of us don't like. It's like, I don't want you to be jealous. Don't be a jealous person. Sometimes we can skew that jealousy and it can turn into some really bad things, which is why we have such a negative connotation toward the word jealousy. But the way that God describes his desire for us and his longing for us is that of jealousy. He says to us, he says that. Hmm. He says that um, he's that he says that he desires to he desires for us to um to have such a, a love for him that his passion for us is that of jealousy he desires and longs to be first and uppermost in our lives he said he akins it to um the uh, the author of the book akins it to this he says I, 
I, I, um, the pain of having an unfaithful partner is surely one of the most agonizing human experiences. It's the ultimate betrayal. Yet this is how we are described when we reject the love of God. For cheap substitutes. God is the betrayed lover. As I discussed this concept with our church, I asked them to imagine going to a local restaurant and seeing me having a romantic candlelight dinner with a woman who is not my wife. Then I said, imagine walking up and asking me who I was with and what it was about, what was all about. Picture me smiling nonchalantly and saying, oh, I'm on a date. But what about your wife? What about her? I love her too. I've taken her out plenty of times. I'm sure you'd walk angry and walk away angry and disgusted and you'd have good justification. Can you imagine my wife afterward meeting me at the door with a big smile? She would say, hi, honey, did you have a good time on your date? Newsflash, this would not happen. Her hurt, her anger, and her pain would be enormous. And in fact, I would be offended if she didn't feel that way. If she was anything other than jealous, it would show me that she didn't really care. It's overwhelming to realize that the Lord God loves us this way. It changes the way we see ourselves. Everything in life has more significance when someone loves you like that, especially God himself. And he does, of course. He isn't happy to be one of many gods that we worship. He makes it clear that we are to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That statement is often given as the positive summary of the Ten Commandments. The negative stated summary would be this. You will have no other gods before me. There is no cohabitation. There is no open marriage. God says it to us this way. As you walk through the temples of the modern gods of these pages that he's talking about in this book, you'll recognize the ones that are at war in your life. And God will speak. He will challenge you with two words. You choose. You choose between me and money. You choose between me and your career. You choose between me and the relationship. You choose between me and the house. If you keep watch over your own heart, you'll face those dichotomy moments, those fork in the road moments. He won't give you the option of making him one of many. There is no room there for anyone or anything but him. That's how much he loves you. He loves us so much that he pursued that he pursues us with his whole heart. And that pursuit cannot be more evident than when he died and rose again on the cross. That God loved the world so much, every last one of us in it, that he sent his son to die and to rise again that we may have the right to the tree of life, that we may have communion with him both now and forever, that we may be able to live in eternity with the almighty God. For many of us as believers, we look at that and we are just great. We're grateful that he saved us and that we get to go to heaven, but we really don't under, we really underestimate the impact of what Christ has accomplished for us and why that makes him jealous for us. He's saying to us, I have brought you out of darkness and brought you into the light. You shall have no other gods before me. When he talked to the Israelite nation and told the Israelite nation that, you know, that he, that, that we, that he, that they, gosh, should have no other gods before him. 
he was saying to them, I brought you out of Egypt. I am the one who ushered you out of Egypt. I'm the one who brought the 10 plagues upon Egypt and at the same time kept you guys from being harmed, kept you guys from being hurt, kept you guys from having to deal with any of the, the, of the issues or the problems. I spared your lives and I got everybody out of Egypt parting the Red Sea and, and, and crushing your enemies. You shall have no other gods before me. Don't use this as an opportunity don't use this as an opportunity to act as if there's some other God that has helped you, that there's some other God that you are, that you can now pursue, that there's some other God that you can now, you know, craft and create and say that this God got you out of Egypt. When they created the calf, the golden calf in, um, in, in the wilderness, they were saying that all that God had done for them, they were pushing to the side. They were like, I don't care that God got me out of here. He's not helping me the way that I want to be helped now. So I'm going to create a, I'm going to create a, a God of my, of, of my own image, carve myself a God out of my own, out of my own, out of, out of my own image and worship it as if it got me out of Egypt, as if it got me out of darkness, as if, as if it was the one who got me out of, um, brought me out of bondage. And God is saying to us today, when you look over the course of your life, and I'm talking straight to the believers, because again, unless you're a believer in God, you're not really going to understand what I'm saying. When you look over the course of your life and look at everything that God has done for you, God is saying to us, how dare you, how dare you worship something other than me? When you look at the landscape of your life and all the things that God has done for, for has done for you, when you look over the landscape of your life and all the things that God has, you know, been there for, has pulled you out of, has raised you from, has helped you through, has guided you through, has led you through, has been there for you for, how dare you have any other God before me? How dare you have, you, you put something before me as if that thing is the thing that saved your soul. As if that thing is the thing that brought you out of darkness. As if that thing is the thing that, that saved you from your sins. <clears throat> that saved you from outer darkness. That saved you from the pit of hell. Christ lived, died, descended to hell, beat hell down, ascended back, ascended back to earth, um, and then ascended into heaven and is coming back to get us. Christ did that for us. God is saying, I saved you. I ransomed for you. I gave my life for you. How dare you have any other God before me? God, the creator of the universe. Let me take it. Let me take it a step, even step further backward in, in full, in full, full detail. God created us, created this entire universe, created everything that we see, everything that we feel, everything that we touch, everything that we taste, everything that we smell, everything that we sense. God created all of these things. He created you. He created me. Before we were formed in our mother's womb, God knew us. He, he, we were fearfully and wonderfully made, made in the image of God. Whether we want to accept what God calls us or not, he created all of us in his image, created all of us in his likeness. And because of we, because he is our manufacturer, 
because he is the one that designed us. He is the one that created us. He is the one that did, that built us and made us into who we are. God is saying, how dare you worship anything other than me? I'm the one that gave you life. I'm the one that gave you breath. I'm the one that gave you, that's giving you everything that you have. And of course, this is hard for a lot of people to hear because a lot of our lives have been littered with a lot of issues, a lot of problems, a lot of traumas, a lot of concerns. And we look out into the landscape of the world and we're like, God, if you be so good, you know, how did you allow this to happen? Whether it happens to people outside of me or whether it happened directly to me. And so we have these attitudes toward God and right and understandably so not rightfully but understandably so because we're angry we're bitter we're frustrated with him about what's happened in the world and what's happening and happened to us over the course of our lives and god is saying to us at while those things may be true he still reigns on the throne he still reigns he still he still cares he still did everything that he's done for us that just as the, the, the things that are wrong in the world that he, see, he saw it and he orchestrated in his permissive will, he's been there for every good thing that's happened to us too. And that he's not just the good of the bad. I mean, he's not, oh my God, my words are like escaping me so bad today. He's not just the God of the bad, but he's also the God of the good. And he created us and designed us and placed us in this world in such a way to where he is saying to us, you shall have no other gods before me. I am the Lord your God who, who transferred the heart of stone and placed in you a heart of flesh. I am the Lord your God who descended into hell, the place of no return, so that if you believe in me, you don't have to go. Though you are, though you are dead to rights in your sins, I got you dead to rights in your wrongdoing. I got you dead to rights in your transgressions. But I credited my righteousness to you. I've given you the keys to the kingdom to get in and be a part of this kingdom, to have communion with me, to be able to call me your friend, to be able to call me your brother, to be able to call me your, um, to be able to call God your father. You shall have no other gods before me. I have been in hot pursuit of your heart, in hot pursuit of your soul, in hot pursuit of, of everything about you. How dare you put anything else before me? How dare you decide I'm going to, I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to put something else above him. I'm going to put something else above God. I'm going to pursue something else other than God. I'm going to desire something other than God. I'm going to put my uppermost attention, allegiance, and affections towards something other than God. And yet, that's exactly what we as people do. That's exactly what we do. That there are things in this world that have the potential to, over, to overthrow God off the thrones of our hearts. And to supplant him as the supreme ruler, lead, and guide of our hearts. Careers, the pursuit of titles, the pursuit of achievements, accolades, praise, fame, and glory. The desire to, you know, make a whole lot of money. Talking boatloads of money. 
you know, the desire to, you know, to, to have pleasures forevermore and to be pleased the way that we want to be pleased, to be, to, to have joy the way that we want to have joy, to, to have satisfaction the way that we want to have satisfaction, the relationships that we want to jump into in order to feel loved, to feel adored, and be willing to do whatever our partners tell us to do, no matter what compromise we have to get, we have to, um, give up as a result of being in this relationship we want kids so badly and we want to live our live our glory days that we're living vicariously through our kids and putting them in things and putting them in things um in 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 activities that make us happy rather than asking them what makes them happy and what brings their hearts joy we buy the big houses and the house ain't big enough, so we buy a bigger house. But that house ain't big enough, so we buy a bigger house. That house ain't big enough, so we buy a bigger house. The car's never good enough, so we're always jumping to try to jump into one lease to another to another to another in an attempt to achieve that status symbol. We want the Mercedes Benzes and the, and the Land Rovers and the Maseratis and the Aston Martins and the Audis so we can say that we have arrived despite you know whatever kind of hole we put ourselves in as a as a as a um as a um as a at, no matter what type of hole we put ourselves in as a result of having this high expensive payment that we got to pay in order to have achieved this status symbol and be able to show off in front of our friends and show off in front of our family members that we finally arrived um and you name it we'll put something before god we will put something before him in some way, shape, or form, to satisfy the longings of our souls, to satisfy what's going on in our heart spaces. And God is saying to us, you shall have no other God before me. You shall have no other God before me. Kyle Ottoman in the book says the entire Bible is a love letter to humanity in the form of a story so that we'll see what God has seen since he first created us so that we'll always know all the ways we've insulted his love and all the ways he has redoubled his pursuit. This is a God who gives us the freedom to say no, but insists on giving us every possible conceivable chance to say yes. He has been called the hound of heaven because he never gets off our trail. The thing that I love about God is that despite our rebellion, despite our frivolous pursuits of things that are not him in an attempt to satisfy what Ecclesiastes 3 and 11 says is eternity wrought in our hearts. God still pursues us. He still pursues us. He desires and longs for us. His desires that no one should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And his patience with us is so patient. So long, the long suffering he has for us is, is so incredibly long. You know, people often ask the question, if God be so good, why don't he just get rid of all the evil in the world? And it's because if he got rid of all the evil, he would get rid of you and me. His patience for us is such to where he could get rid of us if he wanted to. 
but he longs for us to have a relationship with him. He longs for us to desire him and longs for us to be able to have the opportunity to worship him in both spirit and in truth. And so God has patience with us is so great. His patience with us is so great that he longs for us to recognize the love that he has for us as he transfers the heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh. And so God is saying to us today, he is a jealous God and he is worthy of being a jealous God by virtue of creating us, by virtue of creating the things that we enjoy in this world, by virtue of having paved the way for us to have communion with him, he has earned the right to be a jealous God. You know, people will often say, jealousy is a bad thing. So you're saying that God has a, has a bad emotion? Emotions are neither good nor bad. Emotions are emotions. God gives us these emotions for a reason. Emotions give us information. Is what we do with that information that makes the feeling of an emotion a good thing or a bad thing? Because God, because God feels every emotion that we've ever had. You know, he, he sympathizes with us in that he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. So God himself has felt every emotion that we will ever feel. And in this, he tells us that, you know, that he feels jealousy toward us. But the jealousy that he feels toward us, unlike in some other in, in instances in our humanity, is well deserved with him. Because he designed us. He created us. And the only thing that can fill eternity is something eternal. And he is the only thing that is eternal enough to fill the gaping hole in our souls. So he has every right to be jealous. Every right to demand that we have no other God before him. And so as we look in the landscape of our lives and ask the questions that, again, chapter two um, asks us um, to, to, to answer, what is it that has the potential to rise above, to rise above him? Like, what does he, what is it in our lives that has the potential to rise above him? Because, again, God is saying to us, there is nothing in this world that can save you. There's nothing in this world that created you. There's nothing in this world that designed you. There's nothing in the world that can ransom your soul. The only person who can is him. And by virtue of him being the only one, he has earned the right as the creator of the universe to tell us, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. That gives him the right to be jealous. That gives us the right to be able for him to, that gives him the right to be able to say, I don't want you to have anything else before me because nothing else created you. Nothing else designed you. Furthermore, Nothing else has, has, you know, paved the way for you to have communion with me both now and forever. 
um, Jeff Donforio. If you go to my um previous um my previous podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, I've actually answered that question. And so I'm not going to answer it here today because I've answered it three or four times already. But if you go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and find the question, the answer to that question, I promise you, I've already answered it. So again, God is saying to us, as his as the as as his disciples, as the ones who who say that love him. If we are his, if we are his believers, if we are his disciples, if we are his children, if we have been ransomed by him and we have taken on, you know, his heart, then he's saying to us, do not have any other gods before me. Don't put your house above me. Don't put your car above me. Don't put your wife above me. Don't put your husband above me. Don't put your children above me. Don't put your job above me. Don't put your food above me. Don't put your drink above me. Don't put sex above me. Don't put leisure above me. Don't put Netflix above me. Don't put vacations above me. Don't put your money above me. Nothing in this world is more important than me. Not even not even church activity. Don't put church activity above me. As he told the Pharisees, you search the scriptures as if you will find life in them, not realizing that I am the one that the scriptures are, pre are speaking of. You find life not in the scriptures, but you find life in me. So sometimes we can even put church above him. Where I just got to get to the worship house because if I don't get to the worship house, then God's going to strike me down. Or if I don't pray seven times a day, then I'm then God's going to look at me funny or look at me different. And so we put our faith in our works and not in the one who gives us the works. So God is saying to us today, don't put anything above him. Just look to what he has accomplished for us. God desires not to be the first of many. He desires to be the only one. When he says, don't have any other gods before me, he's not talking about a ranking list. He says, in my presence, in my presence, how dare you put something else in my presence as if that thing has any value compared to me. This thing that you think will give you satisfaction, glory, honor, joy, peace, those things can't do what I can. For the satisfaction of the soul. As we talked about yesterday, there are some things in this world that make us feel good, absolutely. This flesh, this, this flesh can feel good if we allow it to. But it's not about the flesh feeling good. It's about the soul being at peace. It's about the soul being at peace. And we gotta ask the question: are we willing to trade off the peace in our souls? For something less than, something other than. Because we got to remember and recall that we all have a choice. We all have a choice. At the end of the day, God does not desire for us to love him out of force. He desires us to love him because we choose. Are there consequences to the choices that we make? Absolutely. That's, that's life. There's consequence for every choice that we make. And yet God in his permissive free will allows us to make the decision. Are we going to serve him or are we going to serve something else? But he will, he will not allow us to be, to be lukewarm. He will not allow that. Either we're going to love him or we're going to hate him. 
But at the end of the day, that is the choice that we're making and know that there is a consequence for every choice. Because at the end of the day, what a lot of people will say is, I don't understand why God would send me to hell, you know, because that seems such like a, a such like a big consequence for just not desiring not to be with him. The point about that is, why would you want to spend eternity with him? If you hate him now, why would you want to spend eternity with him? Because eternity literally means forever. If you don't want to love him now, why would he force you to love him forever? It's always funny that we want heaven, but we don't want the God of the heaven. We, we want the benefits of heaven, much like we want the benefits of the earth. But we want the benefits of heaven, but we don't want the God of the heaven. And the whole point of going to heaven is we get to be with the Lord forever. So it makes little sense to want to not love him here, but want him to bring us into paradise in the life to come. God is saying, if you don't love him now, I'm not going to force you to love me forever. But know that you're going to the place where I am not. And where I am not is not a pleasant place. And so again, we say all that to say, by virtue of God designing us, loving us, pursuing us, ransoming himself on our behalf, he's saying, choose you this day who you will serve. Knowing that I am I'm in pursuit of your heart. For every atheist is going down the chat box now. Our statement to you. Y'all know how we do here on the True Gospel Morning Show. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of where you want to be, regardless of where your thought processes your thought processes are, and despite what you may have to say here on the show, God loves you and wants a relationship with you. Because unless and until you have a relationship with Him, you will never understand the 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 the, the live breathe Word of God. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. Because only through him can you understand what it is that we're talking about and what it is that he wants you to see, know, and understand. And so, again, our heart's, our heart's posture is such to where we want you to know him. And as we, the believers, know him, we, the believers in God, have to be ever so careful that we're not allowing other things to be placed above God because if we say that we believe in God God is saying to us you shall have no other gods before me I am a jealous God and I'm jealous because I have done everything for you I've placed myself on the cross and died the death that you deserved so that you can live both now and forever. That the place that's reserved for those who don't have a walk with him, you don't have to go that path if you don't, if you don't want to. You have to decide for yourself, will you follow me? Will you serve me? Will you believe in me? Allow me to transfer the heart of stone and to replace it with a heart of flesh. 
and allow that to beat in your heart so that you can walk in my precepts, so that you can walk in my ways. You cannot know who God is. You cannot know who God, you know, who God, um, you cannot know who God is without him. You have to have a relationship with the Lord to understand who he is, to understand the scriptures, to understand and unpack this living, breathing, active word of God. You have to have a relationship with him. As he says in his word, we can't, tra we can't transform ourselves. He has to do that work. I, when we look at what happened with Saul on the road to Damascus, we see that God had to literally knock him off his high horse. I, I love the imagery that God, gave, that God gives us in that moment when he knocked Saul off of his high horse. And in doing so, blinded his eyes. Took his senses away and said, why are you persecuting me? And in that moment, knocking him off of his high horse allowed him the space to be humbled in such a way that he recognized the voice of God. God had to do that work because he believed with all his heart. I'm worshiping. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And yet, and yet God said, let me show you something. And for a lot of us, a lot of us, God has to meet us at the exact at the exact moment that he has to meet us in order for us to see him for who he really is. And he's got to knock us off of the high horses and knock us off of our own thrones, which I can't wait to get further into this book right here. Um, when it gets to that final chapter, talking about the God of me, the temple of me, because we will sit on our thrones. We will sit on our kingdom and sit in our kingdoms and we'll act as if God, it has to be placed in our judgment. And God is saying, I will knock you off that throne if that's what it takes for you to see me. But once you see me, you will gladly give up the throne. My goodness. You will gladly give up your throne and allow me to sit in the position that I'm meant to sit in in your life. Because once you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, nothing else in this world will be able to satisfy Nothing in this world. And we talked about this yesterday. We talked about the fact that sometimes, you know, we'll go through this life and we'll go in. Once we become a Christian, once we become a believer, you know, some of us, we, we won't give up sin right away. Some of us will put it down real quick, but some of us, we won't put sin up. We won't put sin there, put sin down right away, but sin just won't taste the same. It won't satisfy us the same. We'll have that gnawing in our hearts that says, eh, this ain't doing like it used to. This ain't hitting like it used to. This ain't really giving me what it used to give me. And that's the Holy Spirit knocking on their heart saying, hey, hey, hey. No, it's because, it's because you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And my heart longs for that now. My heart, the heart of flesh is beating in such a way that says, I don't want I don't want that anymore. That's not satisfying the soul. It's not satisfying me. It's not satisfying the spirit that's living in you. We don't need that anymore. And so again, we need a relationship with the Lord to understand and unpack any of this stuff. So my heart goes out to all of you. My heart goes out to all of you who don't have a walk with him because God is saying, I want a relationship with you. I love you. 
and I want a relationship with you. I created you. I want a relationship with you. So for the believer, so hear me clear, my believers, God is saying to us, think about everything that I've done for you, including your salvation, which is the most important thing of all. How dare we have any other God before him? How dare we put anything before him? For all that he's done for us, how dare we put anything above the Lord God that we worship? And so I challenge us today, as I challenged us yesterday, you know, going that we're in chapter three of the book, God's at War. What are we placing before God? What has the potential? Let me put it that way. What has the potential to be placed before God in our lives? What has the potential to usurp the throne? That's the word. Thank you, God. I've been looking for that word for three weeks. What has the potential to usurp the throne of God and place itself on it? What has the potential to take God off of his throne, to take Jesus off of his throne and place it on there instead that we find ourselves bowing down and worshiping to? Is it your money? Is it your car? Is it your clothes? Is it your spouses? Is it your kids? Is it your jobs? Is it your good times? Is it your um is it your 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 fun? Is it your you know activity? Is it your carnality? Is it you know what has the potential? I'm not saying that you're putting it before him, but I'm saying there's a potential. And so again, if you go back to chapter two. Go back to chapter two of God's at War. I'm, so I'm, I'm, if y'all haven't gotten this book, I recommend you get it because I'm telling you this book is going is going to change your life. What ever anything has the potential to become a God. And if you ask yourself the questions, you know, what makes you happy? What makes you sad? What has the potential to upset you? What infuriates you? You know, what do you what do you find yourself going toward anytime you're feeling sad or you're feeling like you need a break or anything like that? Those things have the potential to become gods. I'm not saying that they are, but they have the potential. And we got to watch our hearts so that those things don't become the thing that we're looking toward to satisfy the longings of our souls. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the 1,300 likes that we've received thus far. Thank you for every like, every comment, every follow, every share. We love you guys so, so much. If you missed any part of this message or want to go back and listen to past episodes like my boy early in the show, go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and download and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and listen to all of our episodes from inception to now. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show, and we'll be right back in just a moment.
watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the 1,400 likes that we have received thus far. Thank you for the rose that we received as well. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Again, any gifts that you do give to the True Gospel Morning Show go straight to the True Gospel Ministry. None of it goes to me. Um, I make my own money, got my own job, pay my own bills. Um, so you guys are not paying me. You're paying to help to keep the website and the subscriptions up so that way we can keep giving you guys this good gospel message um, to and spreading it to as many people as possible. Again, you know, Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now to look at past episodes or to catch up on this one um, later on today if you so decide. Um, our What Would Jesus Say um, is coming out of uh, Colorado um, on October 20th, 2023. Um, there's the discovery of 189 decaying bodies in Colorado funeral home suggests families receive fake ashes. A Colorado funeral home where 189 decaying bodies were discovered this month appears to have been fabric to have fabricated crema cremation records and may have given families fake ashes, according to information gathered by the Associated Press from customers and crematories. The families that did business with Return to Nature Funeral Home fear their loved ones weren't cremated at all and instead could be among the yet unidentified corpses authorities discovered after responding to a report of an abhorrent smell. Quote, my mom's last wish was for her remains to be scattered in a place she loved, not rotting away in a building. Um, any peace that we had thinking that we honored her wishes, you know, was just completely ripped from us. And that was Tanya Wilson who believed the ashes that she spread in Hawaii in August were actually fake. Return to Nature gave Wilson's family and some other de others death certificates stating their loved one's remains had been handled by one of two crematories. But those businesses told the AP they were not performing cremations for Return to Nature on the dates included on the certificates. Calls and texts sent to numbers listed for Return to Nature and owners John and Carrie Hal Halford have gone unanswered since the discovery of the decaying bodies. No arrests have been made. Law enforcement officials have said Return to Nature's owners were cooperating as investigators sought to determine any criminal wrongdoing. The AP reviewed four death certificates shared by families. A list of crematory, all list a crematory owned by Wilbert Funeral Services, but the deaths came at least five months after the company stopped doing cremations for the financially troubled Return to Nature funeral home last November. Lisa Epps, attorney for Wilbert, said members of at least 10 families told the company they had death certificates from after November. A second crematory Rose Lawn Funeral Home in Pueblo, Colorado, was contacted by a family last week that had a 2021 death certificate from Return to Nature listing Rose Lawn as the crematory. Rose Lawn did not do the cremation, said its manager, Rudy Krasovic. None of the families of the AP interviewed, none of the families the AP interviewed, received an identification tag or certificate that experts say are usually given to ensure cremations are authentic. Members of all four families described a similar consistency of the ashes that seemed like dry concrete. Two mixed some ashes with water and said they solidified. Dry concrete has been used before by funeral homes to mimic human ashes. Stephanie Ford said her dry-witted adrenaline junkie husband, Wesley Ford, had nightmares of waking up in a coffin and hated the idea of being buried in his body decaying. He wanted to be cremated, she said, and back to the earth quickly. Wesley Ford died in April and returned to nature, handled the cremation. 
When Stephanie Ford learned of the grim discovery at the funeral home this month, her daughter, a physician, took a closer look at the ashes. Mom, that's not dad, she told her mother. I know logically it's not my fault, said Stephanie Ford, pushing through her, the words through tears. There's a little bit of guilt on my part that I let him down. Public records show the Halfords and their company, which opened in 2017 and offered cremations and green burials without embalming fluids, were beset by recent financial and legal troubles. Among the problems were a forced eviction, unpaid taxes, and a lawsuit by Wilbert, which received a $21,000 judgment in June because Return to Nature failed to pay for a couple hundred cremations, Epps said. When Return to Nature gave the ashes to Wilson's family, her brother, Jesse Elliott, thought they were unusually heavy. Elliot confronted Carrie Halford about his concerns. With both siblings skeptical, Wilson took some of the ashes to a different funeral home for a second opinion. Funeral director Amber Flickinger from Platt's funeral home told the AP that the ashes were unusually fine and dark, adding, I've never seen anything that looks like that in the range of what cremated remains would typically expect to look like. Um... Talks more and more about the families being devastated and all that type of stuff. And, yeah. So, the crazy thing about this story for me is that for many of us as, you know, um, as, as the people of God, man, we, we, can be some, we can be some greedy mother lovers. We can be really greedy. Really, really greedy. And the tendency in our greed is to try to find a way to ensure that nobody gets hurt. And so, in an act of desperation, here they came with this idea. Let's just make, let's get some concrete, pour it in some bowls, pour it in some nice vases, and take these people money. Rather than pay the crematory to do the job that they're that we're that they're being that we want that the family wants them to do and let's pocket it for ourselves and even in doing that they still were knee deep in debt that god opened up the hole and they just kept trying to fill it and it get the hole just got bigger they kept trying to fill it. The hole got bigger. They just kept trying to fill it. And we just got done talking about this. That's indicative of the gaping hole inside of our hearts. That we're constantly trying to fill it with what we think is going to satisfy us. And the more we try to fill that gaping hole, the more that gaping hole demands. It's literally eternity. We think that we are just we're getting that satisfaction and that's all it's gonna that's all it's gonna so it's just one little taste is all that it's gonna take. But no, once we've tasted it once, we are going to want it again. That's the nature of mankind. We can't just stop at one. We need another and then another and then another and then another. And that hole gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And bigger and bigger and the more we the more we think that we're gonna fill that hole the more that hole demands and we find ourselves doing desperate things in an attempt to try to fill the gaping 
holes in our souls. And so this crematory, you, I mean, no, not, not the crematory, I'm sorry, this funeral home was taking people's money to try to pay off whatever debts or whatever, you know, addictions or whatever, you know, things that they wanted to pay for. And we're not paying the crematories to do the job that they were being paid to do. That's why the one crematory had to sue for $21,000 because they, were, they weren't getting paid. And so rather than do the job with integrity and stay, above, stay within their means, budget-wise, they decided instead, let me, um, let me, uh, you know, make, let me, let me find a way to keep the money that they're giving me. They'll never know. They'll never know. They'll never know. One body became two. Two became five. Five became seven. Seven became ten. Ten became twenty. Twenty became fifty. Fifty became a hundred and eighty-nine. A hundred and eighty-nine. And that's of that's as of October twentieth. So I don't know if there's an update. And that this thing may have gotten worse. 189 people. 189 people. Decided. That they decided. It doesn't. 100, so, think, think, so think about it. It's 189 people. That's a 189 families. Husbands, wives, sons, daughters. Who are trying to you know, acquiesce to the request of their, their loved ones or, you know, trying to save, 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 I don't know, save money perhaps. But in either case, 189 families that were affected, money stolen from them, giving fake, giving concrete and not true ashes of their loved ones. Now how devastating that's got to be for a family who has chosen that this is their path to grieving. This is their pathway to grieving their loved ones. Like, there's no magic power in, you know, them whether they're being buried or whether they're being cremated. That, that, that thing doesn't matter. You know, we're, our, our, soul, our souls are, are asleep and when they're going to come back and be, and, be, and be with the Lord and, and get put in resurrection bodies. Um, but the grieving process... Is such to where, you know, we can have very specific things that we need to do in order to grieve the loss and to grieve it well. And for a lot of people, when they, you know, they take the ashes, they want to be spread across this or they want to sit on top of that or whatever. They want to be close to feel like their loved one is close, even though, you know, we don't worship the dead. We don't worship the dead. We ain't in the necromancy and none of that type of stuff. Um, but there's a sentimental value that comes with that. And so to have that utterly interrupted, utterly shattered the way that it is, it's devastating for them. But per usual, that, oh my gosh, that's what sin does. Sin just doesn't give a damn about your heart, about your soul, doesn't care about people doesn't care about how people are going to feel. All it cares about is being satisfied. 
by any means necessary. Sin just doesn't give a damn. And so what we see here is 189 families. If you, if you do the math, multiply that by three, that's almost 600 people. At, at least 600 people that's been affected by this. Not to mention the employees who are now, you know, having to face unemployment because, you know, now this investigation is going on. Ain't nobody trying to get their um, bodies, you know, ain't funeralized by them. So now the business is going down. So now you're affecting them. You affected all the crematories that weren't getting paid. They might have had to shut down. Like, all, such a domino effect. All because of greed. Nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever find out. But you got this rotting stench behind this house, behind this building. And nobody will ever know. As an aside, you know, if you were gonna if you're gonna bury the bodies in the first place, why not do what you usually do to make the things not smell in the first place? Like, ain't that what y'all ain't that what the funeral home is for? To, 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 to prevent that kind of stuff from happening? I don't know. I ain't never been a scientist in that regard, so I wouldn't know how they do it. But you know, wouldn't you have at least did something to where the bodies anyway? Was done in the darkest cut that came to the light by the grace of God. But again, this is what we see. Sin does not care. Sin does not care. Sin doesn't care who you gotta hurt. Sin doesn't care who you gotta, you know, who you gotta beat down. Sin doesn't care who you gotta cast aside. Sin doesn't care as long as it's able to be satisfied by any means necessary. That, that's its only end game. Satisfy me. The gods of this world, the gods of this age, they only care about being satisfied. They do not care the means. And so this funeral home, they let 189 families down by telling them, I'm giving you ashes when really I buried your family member in the backyard. So you got these people out here thinking they got their family's ashes when in reality they got concrete. Also that you can keep their money but no matter how much money you kept, you're still drowning in debt. You never got the chance. Never got, never satisfied. Never satisfied. And so again, we say all that to say, guard your heart. Because just like um, Return to Nature Funeral Home found out, all it takes is one. One instance. The right time the right situation, the right person, the, the right circumstance, and any of us can be like this. So we don't cast judgment upon them. It's sad, but we don't cast judgment upon them. Rather, we pray for them. Because just like they need, they need Jesus, we need Jesus too. Because any of us could be that, per, could be that funeral home. At any given moment. We can find ourselves trying to circumvent the rules on our job and not do our jobs with integrity just so that we can make an extra buck. Some of us are doing that right now when it comes to, for instance, oh my gosh, sorry y'all. When it comes to some of us who've decided I'm going to 
you know, um, I'm gonna all the integrity that I have. I'm, you know, I'm gonna go and create an OnlyFans page. Forget the consequences. I, I need that money. I need that money. You know, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna cheat on my taxes. I need that cash. I'm only gonna do it once. I'm only gonna do it for a little while. I ain't gonna do it forever. Just for a little while. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Some of our, you know, our um, entertainers today, that literally giving their souls away. Giving their souls away. Got people in corporate America right now giving their souls away. You got some pastors and churches right now giving their souls away. So they can say that they're the pastor or they can say that they're the leader or they can say, you know, that, you know, that this is my church. Giving their souls away. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? So let us be wise and be careful that we're not allowing the greed that we can sometimes possess in whatever capacity that comes in. It ain't just got to be financial. But let us be wise that we're not allowing greed to override our integrity. Work your jobs. Grind. Make the, make your, make it, make the, make the money. But do it with integrity. And do it in a way that honors God. If they didn't want to pay the crematory, all they had to do was tell the family, you know what, we, we don't do cremations no more. So if you, want to, if you want to cremate, go find somebody else to do it. That's all they had to say. That's all they had to say. And so again, we say all that to say, you know, may God have mercy upon them just like he had mercy on us. You know, when it comes to their souls, you know, full extent of the law, you know, do what you got to do. But may their souls see this and may they turn from their wicked ways. Because again, this was, uh, this was avoidable. This was avoidable. And especially 189 bodies, like God was giving. You, you talk about the patience of God. 189 bodies. Could have stopped at 10. Should have stopped at we should have stopped at one. Should have stopped at zero. Let's let's start on space pay. But, but could have stopped at ten. Could have stopped at twenty. Could have stopped at fifty. Could have stopped at a hundred. hundred and eighty nine bodies. Before the smell became too much. They couldn't they couldn't hide, they stank no more. And so again we say all that to say be wise. That you are not putting yourself in position to where you are allowing your greed to override what you know to be true about you and true about God. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the 1,500 likes that we have received thus far. Thank you guys so much. 
for every like, every follow, every share, and every comment that you're making on the show. If you've missed any part of this show or you have um, a desire to listen to past episodes, you can go to uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and um, subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and listen to every episode that we've had since our inception. We thank you so much for watching, and we'll be right back in just a moment. the true gospel morning show with your boy eddie d right here on tiktok live we're with you monday through friday 6 a.m to 8 a.m eastern standard time again certainly grateful for everyone who has come on the live thus far and certainly hope that you guys are having a fantastic day in the name of the lord before we continue in our um um in our show today i wanted to um, take the time to um, talk to you guys about a situation that's going on right now with one of our um, one of our avid um, fans here on the show. I don't know if she's gonna if she's watching today, um, but I wanted to give us an opportunity to be able to talk about this really quickly. Give me one second to load it up. Um, uh, my friend, um, my friend in. Uh, uh, fellow follower of the show um, by the name of Ashe, and you can find her here on TikTok named Who Who is Ashe? Um, she right now is going through a situation where one of her family members had passed away suddenly um, and is halfway across the country. And so there um, she put together this GoFundMe page, um, but on TikTok, she doesn't have enough followers to do any type of live things or anything like that. 
Um, and so she made this post talking about the fact that she had made this GoFundMe page. Um, and so she um, is asking for any type of assistance in, t in trying to get her family member home so that they can properly funeralize her. Um, and so, um, I, so I took a snapshot of this. I talked to her about it. And, um, and so um, any funds that we receive this week um, in the form of gifts um, will go directly to her. Um, and so, so we're asking any and everyone who is in, um, who is, who has a desire, who is, is compelled upon their hearts to give, um, anything that you give the show from now till, um, the end of the week, um, will go directly toward her again. Like I told y'all, when y'all give to me, you're not giving to me, you're giving to the ministry. I make my own, got my own job, make my own money, pay my own bills. So you're not giving any money to me. I want to further make that statement known this week by that if you decide to give anything to this ministry between now and the end of the week, all of the funds are going straight to her in an attempt to get her family member home. And any funds that are left over, um, those funds will go straight to um, her family, um, uh, her fa to the child in a trust fund, um, in a trust fund going to the child. And so I'm going to give you guys a few minutes just to kind of, you know, um, I'm give you guys a, a, a break in this moment to just look at the um, the site itself. Um, and again, her name is, I'm going to go ahead and put that in the drop box right now in the comment section. Her name is at who is Ashe. Um, so give me one second to put that in there. Dot is dot Ashe. That's her name there. And so if you do decide that you want to give to this cause, um, then feel free to do so. I'm going to, um, again, go, go off really quick. So that way you're able to, um, to have a moment to look at that and then you know whatever god impresses upon your heart to do that is what you can do and you can go to gun go fund me and just look up this um this um this particular go go fund me um and be able to do what you need to do there and so i'll give you guys a few minutes to look at that and be right back in just a moment
watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, today we want to answer, um, there, uh, no, not answer, we're not there yet. Um, talk about handling infidelity in our sanctification session this morning. Handling infidelity. A lot of um, clients that I work with in therapy, um, they deal with the issue of infidelity on more than one occasion and um and so I wanted to spend some time talking about it today as it relates to you know how we can sometimes end up worshiping things outside of God um um in in interestingly enough a lot of of a lot of us as believers now are starting to fall into this trap of um of thinking that we should be able to have more than one person that we're in love with. And so, um, and so we'll talk about that in just a moment, but, um, I wanted to talk about infidelity and how we can, and how to deal with and overcome, um, infidelity when it has been done in our relationships. Um, many a times in our relationships, uh, infidelity, um, infidelity has the potential to happen. Call a spade a spade. Um, it has potential to happen. Um, it happens for various reasons. Um, either one, you know, our spouses are just scum, and they don't do what they want to do, regardless of how good they may have it at home. They, they just don't care. Um, but a lot of times, that's not really the issue um, for a vast majority of the people who find themselves in in moments of infidelity. Um, um, for some of, for some people, the issue is, um, a, a, a feeling of neglect or not being desired or, you know, not feeling seen, not feeling safe, not feeling heard. Um, I tell a lot of my clients all the time that, you know, we as a people being seen, being heard and being known and being loved more so now than in any other generation, but ever since the dawn of time. So I want to I want to make sure I make that clear. This is an issue that's been happening since the dawn of time. So this ain't nothing new, you know. This isn't a new phenomenon. We just got no. We just got more names for it now, you know. We just got more more names for you know feeling seen, you know, with the age of TikTok and everybody trying to be a, a, a bedside therapist now. Um. So, but. Everybody has a desire to be seen. Everybody has a desire to be known. Everybody has a desire to be loved. Everybody has a desire to feel appreciated and valued in their lives. And as a result, the potential to cheat on their spouses, on their boyfriends, on their girlfriends, it's significantly higher the less safe emotionally you feel in your relationship. So hear me again when I say, the less safe you feel in your relationship, the greater the potential to cheat on your person. The less safe you feel in your relationship, the greater the potential to cheat on your person. Because being seen, being heard, being known, being valued, being valuable, that thing hits like a drug. And it happens again to the best of us, where for what, for some reason or another, whether it's one instance or whether it's a season of instances, 
We can feel like we're not being seen or heard or validated. And I'll give you guys two primary examples. One instance, this lady, her husband saw, heard, loved her all, all her life. All, the, all their relationship. And there was never any instance of not feeling loved, feeling valued, being treasured, whatever. She has a bad, see, a bad season at work. You know, the guard, the old guard changed and, and, and his new management and it was making her frustrated because she wasn't able to do the things she used to do. Felt like she was being isolated and alienated. And the one instance she went to her husband and her husband gave her constructive criticism rather than giving her a soundboard, which again, this was normal for them. He didn't, he, it wasn't like he was being the devil. He was just saying, well, you know, sometimes, you know, on jobs, things change and we have to learn how to, you know, move and pivot with the changes. And there was no comfort there. And so out of her frustration, somebody saw that frustration and gave her the comfort that her heart wanted, but that her soul didn't need. Gave her the comfort she wanted but not the but not what her soul needed and as a result of being seen as a result of being heard as a, as a result of somebody validating her she fell for the hype and decided this person cares about me more than my husband does and it led to her cheating on him when he finds out that she cheated you know how could you do this to me i can't believe you would do this and she tried for a while to blame him. Well, you didn't, you didn't honor, you didn't value me. You didn't see me. Da, 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 da. And I, and we had to talk about it and say, no, that's not the case. In one instance, you weren't validated the way you wanted to be validated. And rather than tell him that that's what you didn't need from him at that time, so that maybe he could pivot, because it was a one, it was a one-off. You instead found comfort in the, in, the, in the arms of another and it led you to think that your husband didn't love you. That this person loved you more than that person did. That's, so that's one instance. In another, you got years of neglect. Years of not being seen. Years of not being heard. Years of not being valued. Years of being critics criticized, crit, um, you know, uh, of 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 being told that you're less than, or not being told anything at all, not going on dates, you know, not you know being told you're beautiful, not being told that you're that you're handsome, not being you know seen or known or heard or understood in any type of way, and as a result of that, you know, you find yourself in a position in a place where suddenly, you know, here's this person. Whether it be on a job, whether it be at home, or not, well, not, well, it could be at home, I guess. Um, whether it be, you know, at the supermarket, you know, be, you know, some vacation somewhere, and says the right thing at the right time in the right situation, and all of a sudden, you see me? Someone asked the proverbial question, how are you doing? You, you actually care about how I'm doing? That thing can hit us like a shot of dopamine. And as a result, find ourselves having more and more conversations, you know, talking about the struggles, talking about the issues, talking about the problems. And then all of a sudden, that conversation pivots to, I bet you I could treat you better than he does. I bet you I could treat you better than she does. And as a result of that, we start to believe the hype. 
Rather than cutting it off, we believe the hype because it just feels so good to be seen, feels so good to be heard, feels so good to be understood. And all the while, we may be screaming out to our partners, hey, do you see me? Do you see me? Do you see me? But it, it, but never being heard or never being seen or being value validated. And as a result, things happen. In either case, we cannot underestimate the value of being seen. And the reason I say that is because as the believers in God, once again, I'm talking to believers. As the believers in God, we have to be able to lean on the fact that God sees us. That God knows us. That God values us. That God desires us. Now, that's not to say that we should that we should supplant the desire to be loved romantically for a desire to be loved by an infinite God. Because again, God can't God ain't gonna give us no orgasms, okay? They call a spade a spade. Nevertheless, you know, we as the people of God have to rest in the comfort of knowing that he sees us. Because if we're not careful. We will allow being seen by someone else to override the value of God seeing us. We will allow the validation of another person to override the, the, the being valued and being validated by God. And in doing so, we will allow that to become the idol or the God that we worship. And we'll do anything to feel that validation again. We'll do anything to be seen again. We'll do anything to be heard again. We'll do anything to hear somebody tell us that they love us. For us. When all the while God is saying, I see you. I know you. I love you. I value you. I validate you. I accept you. You are heard you are loved, and we'll know it. But the fact that somebody in the flesh sees, hears, validates, loves, accepts us, we will hold on to that. And we'll lean in that direction, saying we love God, but we're truly seeking after this thing. We're truly seeking after what it is that we really want right now. And so what God tells us is that we got to be ever so careful as the people of God to not exchange the truth about God for a lie. And that exchange is, God, I know you love me, but I love this feeling more. I want this feeling more. I crave this feeling more. And as a result, rather than be honest about where I'm at with my person and tell this person, listen, I feel neglected. And if you can't give me what I need, then we need to talk about, we need to come, we need to come to a conclusion about what we're going to do in this relationship. Oh, instead of, well, you know, he'll never find out. She'll never know. It's just conversation. It's just, it's just us in the DMs. Because again, all it takes is the right time and the right situation with the right person to then say, when we meeting up. It's all it takes is one. And so we as the people of God, 
we have to be ever so careful that we're not falling for the hype. It's very easy to when we're vulnerable. It's very easy to when we're weak. It's very easy to when we feel like our people don't see us. When we feel like they don't know us. When we feel like they don't care about us. And it, in, 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 in furthermore, it can be even painful for us to even expose the fact that we feel that way. Because sometimes, can I call a spade a spade? Our spouses don't know. Sometimes we can be feeling neglected, but we never tell them. And they're just bebopping, doing their thing like normal. You know, this is the way life has always been and our life's been good. But we're stewing on the inside and we never say anything. And so, yeah, they might be neglecting us, but the neglect may be out of ignorance. How many times have we come to our, our spouses or come to our, you know, people that relationship with and been like, you know what? You know, I just don't feel like I, I feel like you're not I feel like we're not we don't see each other no more. Or I feel like we don't spend enough time with each other like we used to. And in our minds, we're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I feel like we spend time all the time. But if you say we're not, what can we do? Like, sometimes we got to speak up and say, you know, I'm feeling neglected right now. Or I feel like I'm not, you know, we don't do like we used to no more. Or I feel like we're not connecting like we used to. But sometimes we can be afraid, walking out in fear, rather than walking in spirit and truth. Because we're afraid if I say something, my spouse is going to think this or my spouse is going to feel this. And God is saying, no, you got to walk out in truth. You got to walk out in truth so that you at least extend the olive branch and say, hey, I'm feeling some type of way. Because nine times out of ten, if we got a good one, our good one's going to say, well, what do we got to do? Tell me what to do. What, what do we got to do in order, in order to make this work, in order to make this right? Because I don't want you to feel neglected. You know, we, you know, we shake it down, shake it down, down, you know what I'm saying? Like, let me know what can I do to make sure that you know that you are not neglected. And so again, that, that too can be problematic. And sometimes, you know, our spouses, they be absent-minded. We be absent-minded. We don't know. We have no idea because no one's saying, because no one's talking. So again, it's not an, it's not a, it's not a one-sided affair. No pun intended. We have to be willing to talk to one another and decide, you know, what is it that's going on? Where's the disconnect and how can we get reconnected together? So in saying all of that, if you find yourself in a place or a situation where infidelity has taken place, whether it be physical cheating, emotional cheating, mental cheating, spiritual cheating, if you find yourself in a place where infidelity has taken place, it is not out of the realm of possibility for that to be redeemed. Keep in mind that if infidelity occurs, you have the right to leave. I don't care what, what Catholic person says, don't divorce, I want to hear none of that crap. Jesus himself said, if infidelity has occurred, you have the right to leave. And we'll, we can get into the nuances of what the infidelity means on another day because it's not just talking about physical cheating. It's talking about a whole a, a range of things when it comes to infidelity. And so, again, um, you know, if, you ha if that has happened, you have the right to leave.
So don't let anybody tell you, oh, well, if you get a divorce, then you're going to hell because you're not. You're not. You're not. And so, again, you got to be ever so careful that, you know, that we're not putting ourselves in a place where, um, about, about, about lost my train of thought, um, that if infidelity has happened, that you're not staying in a place that you, that you know you need to get out of. You can leave. If infidelity has occurred, you can leave. Okay? So don't let nobody dupe you into thinking, well, we got to stay. No, you don't. Not if it's occurred. Because God has God gives you the right to exit that, that space if infidelity has occurred. But if it has occurred, you can recover from that space. You have to be willing and open and able to have open dialogue about what happened and why. Um, my wife asked the question, what about those who want their spouse to speak first just to see or feel they're being seen? I'm of the mindset that if you're feeling some type of way, you got to speak up. It, it, it can't be, I'm waiting on somebody else. I'm waiting on them. Because, again, sometimes we can be absent-minded. We, 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 we don't know. You know, we, we, we have no idea, no clue. Like, so if you're feeling, if you feel that and they're not saying nothing, we need to say something. Hey, what's, what's on? What's what? I'm feeling that you're feeling some type of way, but I don't, I can't put my finger on it. So what's going on? Um, but at any rate, um, we have to be willing to have open and honest conversation with one another. We got to be able to uncover the truth to see how things came to be because the cheating itself, unless your partner has a sexual dysfunction and just got to have it all the time and they sex drive is so high that they got a sex addiction, which is a whole nother demon to deal with. The infidelity, the cheating was a byproduct of something deeper. It wasn't about the cheating. That was the that was the issue. That that is a symptom of something much bigger. Cheating is bad, but it's a symptom of something deeper. And we got to be able to talk about it in order to figure out what it is. What that thing is because if we don't deal with the root, if we don't deal with the 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 base, the foundation of the problem, then the likelihood of cheating is only going to open itself up again. The, 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 the impetus to run to something else other than spouse is going to show up again. And so we got to deal with the roots, not the symptoms. Had a, a client tell me yesterday, yeah, I, I made my husband just turn off all the social media. Turn off all the social media. I don't want you ever looking at social media again. And so I said to her, okay, so let's say your husband is on, um, is, is watching an episode of a, a, a show that's as innocent as New Amsterdam the medical show and they have you know um this moment where you know two people are kissing or the woman comes out the shower and she's got a towel on and he's just watching the show you come in and see this scene on the tv and again he's just watching the show he's not ogling he's not oh my god she's so far she ain't doing he ain't doing nothing he's just watching the show because he didn't turn his head when she came out of the bathroom with the towel on, are you going to think that, that he's trying to cheat on you then? And she was like, well, yeah. I said, so how far does it go? 
Turning off the social media is not going to change anything. It's a heart problem, not a social media problem. And if the problem is as bad as you think it is, turning off the social media ain't going to ain't going to solve it. You're trying to kill it. Uh, you're trying to kill a symptom, not looking at the root. Now, should he turn off social media? 100. 100. But turn off the social media is not going to be enough to solve the issues of both your insecurities and his desire to see whatever it is that he's looking for in order to get these jollies on. So you got to deal with the root, not the fruit. And so, again, in that space, we, the people of God, got to be ever so careful that we open up ourselves, if this thing has occurred, to communication, talking about the issues, talking about their origins, talking about how things got to where they are, and being able to lay our pride aside to see how we contributed to the problem. Because, no, the person who got cheated on, you got every right to be angry. But it may require you to look at your contribution to how the problem came to be. Because, again, sometimes our spouses can feel neglected. Now, if our spouse didn't tell us nothing, you know, again, we absent-minded. I, I didn't know. I had no idea. I thought everything was fine. But if our spouses were telling us, I don't feel like you see me no more, or I don't feel like you care, or anything like that, and we just go about doing our thing, I'm not saying it's right. But it was leading to an inevitability. And so again, but saying all that again to say, we got to be able to talk about it. You got to be able to talk about it. Because if you can't, then it makes it more difficult to overcome. And then beside, beyond beside all of that, you got to take it to the Lord. Because oftentimes, infidelity occurs when we've placed something or someone above God. Sometimes we can place our spouse in the seat of God. Sometimes we're expecting our spouse to be what God is meant to be for us. Sometimes we'll act as if my person is all that I need. Uh, no, boo-boo. God is all we need. We're thankful for the spouse. But I need the Lord. If I'm needing my spouse to be my all and to be my everything to the point where God is a secondary component compared to him, compared to her, then that's a bigger problem that we got to deal with. And I'm not talking just about the person who won our person to not cheat. I'm talking about the person who cheated. Because sometimes we, the cheater, have put our spouses on such a pedestal that they got to be everything for us. That on the instance that they can't be everything for us, we're now seeking outside the relationship to find the validation or the love or the joy or the peace that we're looking for. When God is saying, do not look to your spouse to be your ultimate source. You look to me to be your ultimate source. And in me being your ultimate source, you can then speak and say, listen, I don't feel like you're showing me the type of attention that you're used to or that I'm looking for, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, cheat or anything like that, but I'm hurting. 
and I'm taking it to God. He's my ultimate peace. He's my ultimate joy. He's my ultimate satisfaction. So I'm not out here looking for nobody, but I'm telling you, I'm hurting. Help, can you help me in this relationship? This relationship feels very one-sided right now. God is saying to us that we got to check. Sometimes we put our spouses in the seat of God. Sometimes we put love and relationship in the seat of God. And we act as if that thing is the thing that's going to satisfy the longings of the soul. And it's not. It feels good to be in a relationship. No doubt about it. I love Nicole. Love her. Chef's kiss. Best thing ever happened to me. But the best thing that ever happened to me compared, you know, next, next to God. God's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Marrying her, second. Without God, I couldn't love my wife right. No more than she could love me right. We love each other, but we need the Lord. And so, again, we got to be ever so careful as the people of God that we're not putting anything above him. Now, we're not putting anything above the Lord. Just 420, I, hear, I can hear your pain. I can hear your suffering. I can hear the tears that you're crying. We got to be careful that we're not putting anything above the Lord. Your spouse cannot supplant the throne of God. Cannot supplant the throne of God. But you can rest in the comfort of knowing that if God's got your back, you can speak of what you need from your spouse. And if you're not getting what you need from your spouse or your spouse is not getting what he, he needs from you, y'all need to talk about it so you can make some decisions. Because the devil lies at the door. And when we're at our most vulnerable, that's when he strikes the hardest. Because it's in our most vulnerable that the plausible argument of someone else can make you happy. Someone else can bring you joy. Someone else can bring you peace. Someone else will listen to you. Someone else can hear your heart. Someone else can be there for you. Those whispers can germinate at our most vulnerable moment. And in that moment, we need the Lord, just like Jesus needed the word when he was tempted of the devil. If you be the son of God, turn these stones to bread. If you be the son of God, jump off this building. If you be the son of God, bow down and worship me. I'll give you all the kingdoms. The Lord said, thus says the Lord, the word of the Lord says, so again, we say all that to say, we, the people of God, have to be ever so careful that we're not putting our, that we try our hardest to not put ourselves in a vulnerable position. But even in our vulnerability, God can still save. And even if infidelity has occurred, God can still fix this. God can still fix this. 
but you got to be willing to put your hand in the master's hand. Both of y'all. You pray. You seek his face. Do what's necessary. Talk about it. And again, whatever God will allow to happen in that space, God will allow to happen in that space. But the way to deal with infidelity is to conquer it through truth and open confession. Confession is a good work that glorifies God. Confession is a good work that glorifies God. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the uh, 2,400 likes that we've received thus far. Thankful for every like, comment, gift, and share on today. Um, hope that you're having a great day in the name of the Lord. If you've missed any part of this message or would like to hear past episodes of the uh, True Gospel Morning Show, you can go straight to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and um, subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and listen to all of our past episodes. We thank you so much for watching, and we'll be right back in just a moment. the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're running out of time on today, and so we're going to jump into our something praiseworthy, and I want to thank my wife and my daughter 
um, for um, doing some research for me on the fly. I really do appreciate y'all. Looks like y'all be watching the show, apparently. Um, and I certainly do appreciate that. Um, they went and did some research, research for me on the fly. And so I'm grateful to be able to, um, to share this story with you guys on today. It's kind of bittersweet. Um, but I'm certainly grateful to be able to share it with you guys on today. A uh, 104-year-old Chicago woman dies just one week after a record skydive. Um, Dorothy Hoffner is a lifelong Chicagoan and centenarian who... Re uh, got it. I got it. Dorothy Hoffner, a lifelong Chicagoan and centenarian who recently set a world record for being the oldest person to ever participate in a tandem skydive, has passed away just a week after her incredible jump. Officials at the Brookdale Senior Living Center confirmed that Hoffner died in her sleep on Sunday night. Uh, she was 104 years old. On October 1st, Hoffner set a record as the oldest skydiver when she made a tandem skydive at Skydive Chicago. She jumped from a plane which was flying at roughly 10,000 feet and, and safely landed. That leap is still being confirmed by the Guinness Book of World Records, according to officials. It's expected to be certified posthumously. The current record was set by 103-year-old Linnea Inigard Larsson of Sweden on May of 2022. Quote, skydiving is a wonderful experience and it's nothing to be afraid of, Hoffner told NBC Chicago after her jump. Just do it. Hashtag Nike. Officials at Skydive Chicago expressed their condolences while saying they were proud to have her be a part of Dor Dorothy's, Dorothy's big day. Come on, words. We are deeply saddened by Dorothy's passing and feel honored to have been part of making her world record a skydive a reality, a spokesperson for the company said. Skydiving is an activity that many of us safely tuck away in our bucket lists. But Dorothy reminds us that it is never too late to take the thrill of a lifetime. And so it's freaking awesome, man. I'm just grateful that she got the opportunity to be able to live out her dream to be able to skydive. Um, and it's just a reminder that God has given us such a huge world. And whenever you have the opportunity, explore this thing, man. Explore this thing. Obviously, it'll never compare to what heaven's going, you know, to what to what to what heaven's got in store for us. Um, Nicole, leave me alone. Nah, leave me alone. I don't know. OK, I do not know. Leave me alone. I won't talk about it right now. Um, but um, but to God be the glory. If you have the opportunity to do anything, um, if you have the opportunity to you to to go and see the world and sightsee and jump out of planes and anything, you know, do it. If you have the opportunity, because again, again, nothing in this world is ever going to compare to what heaven has in store for us. We get that, we understand that. But at the same time, God gives us this entire world to explore, this entire world to see to explore different cultures and to explore different, you know, ways of, of being and the different buildings that have been built over the years and to, to go to different land landscapes and see mountains and see rivers and see valleys and, you know, and see the beaches and see the islands and see volcanoes and see everything, in, everything in between, you know, to see great, you know, buildings and to be able to experience all sorts of type of different foods and, you know, get sick off stuff like, you know, God gives us this whole world. 
if he gives you the ability to go see something, go. Don't 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 stay home. Don't stay home. You know, there's nothing there's nothing worse than having a whole list of things that you want to do and only being able to do 5% of them when you have the opportunity. Now, I'm not saying go broke, you know, to go get things, to go see things, but there's plenty of things you can do for free too. Like, I mean, let's not let's call a spade a spade. There's plenty of things you can do that for that are zero dollar All can cost some gas money or a plane ticket. And so again, I'm saying all that to say she is a reminder for me that God has given us an entire world. And this entire world is meant to be explored, is meant to be seen, meant to be, you know, to 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 to, to go and travel, man, and, and do stuff. Um, again, you don't have to be, you, you don't, you can be a Christian and not be a knot on a log. Like you can do stuff. You can enjoy life. You can go and do things. You know, my wife and I, you know, we went to Sin City, you know, this summer. Um, and you know, it was a fantastic time. You know, I'm, I hate fan dancers. I will hate flamingo dancers from now on, but you know. I enjoyed myself there. She enjoyed herself there. We had such a great time, and we, we got to go back because we didn't get to do everything we wanted to do. And so, you know, again, you know, we're grateful that we had that opportunity to go, and we're grateful go that we're going to get to go again at some point, and we're grateful that we get to go everywhere else we're going, with the kids, with ourselves, whatever. And so, again, this is just a reminder that God has given us an entire world to enjoy. So enjoy it, enjoy it. Just do so in a way that glorifies and honors God. That's it. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or in whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. For at the end of the day, all God is asking us to do is to simply, you know, enjoy what, God, what he's given us. Enjoy what he's given us but to just do so in a way that honors him. Listen, I want to thank y'all so much from the bottom of my heart for giving me this opportunity to be able to worship with y'all today. Grateful for the um, for all the likes that we've gotten. we got about 2,400 of them today. Certainly grateful for that. Grateful for the likes. Grateful for the comments. Grateful for the follows. Thank you for the shares. Thank you to um, Nicole and Marie for being my research team today to help me get that story on the fly. I really do appreciate y'all for, for doing that for me today. Um, I thank you guys so much for... You know, all that you do, thankful for you guys being on the show and allowing me to be able to minister to you guys in this way. Thank you guys so, 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 so much for what you do here by being a part of the True Gospel Morning Show. As always, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.